Let's pray and ask the Lord to, uh, to take this time. And It's not so much the words I say, it's the words, the words that the Lord has on His heart for our hearts. And so, Father, we thank You. We thank You for just your, your prescribed ways to enter Your presence with thanksgiving in our hearts, with praise, declaring that You are good. Your mercy is everlasting and your truth endures to all generations. Lord, we thank you for your meeting with us today. And Lord, we come to not just hear about you, but to hear from you today. Not to read into your word what we want it to say, but to let your word speak to us and what you want to say to us. And may we not just be hearers, but may we respond with action. May we be doers and not just hearers today. We love you. We love your word. Jesus, we love you that you are the word made flesh dwelling among us through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, in mid-December, about December 15-ish, I tend to do this every year. Uh, I ask the Lord, if there's something on his heart for the church coming into the new year. And sometimes I get something, sometimes I don't. Sometimes he speaks something and other times not. But I do it anyway, and I did it again this year in December. I said, Lord, what's, is there anything on your heart specifically that you could put in my heart for us as a congregation in this new year? And, and I prayed a couple of days. It's not like lightning bolts hit and Angels came down and thundering voices, but the word, just one word came in my heart. It's the word alignment. And I began to, that kind of had life on it. You know, that's kind of as we're learning to hear and know the Lord's voice. When something's got life on it, you you pay attention. And so I began to think about it and after about two days, and I began to see it really when I heard the word, began to meditate on what that word meant, two pictures came into my mind. Um, one directly from Scripture, the other was just a picture that came in my mind. First one was um, in Joshua chapter 5. Joshua, um, the Lord Jesus actually appears to Joshua in Joshua chapter 5. There are basically 40 times in the Old Testament where Jesus appears to people in the Old Testament. They're called Christophanies. And so in this case, in Joshua 5, Jesus appears to Joshua with his sword drawn, and Joshua's like, gets up, and he says, are you for us or for our adversaries? And so I'd like to illustrate it. Todd, can I get you for a second? If you can stand up here for a second. Todd's going to be the Lord. If you can come here. Sword drawn. You can have your sword drawn. Yes, Okay. We're acting this out. Good. It's improv, right? It's, it's whose side are you on? Are you for us or for our adversaries? And Jesus answers, basically, he says to Joshua, you're asking the wrong question. It's not, am I for you or against you, Joshua? It's, are you for me? It's not, are you on my side? Jesus basically says, no, I'm not going to answer that question. But as the captain of the army of the Lord, I have come. So what he's basically, what Jesus is basically saying is it's not, 
are you, am I going to get on your side? It's, are you going to get on my side? And so he basically, <laughs> you, st- you stay there because you're leading the army. So Joshua comes into alignment with the Lord. And, 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 and Nate, you shared that a few weeks ago. You said we're, we're the, 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 the world, yes, there it is, good, for Facebook or whatever. But it's the, the world, you know, so much of the Christian world is, is me-centered. And, we, and you coined a phrase, Jesus-centric, not heliocentric. Not the, not the sun revolves around the earth, but the earth revolves around the sun. So that's an alignment. There's an alignment that took place in Joshua's heart. Thank you, army of the Lord, captain. (laughs) Alignment. Are we aligned with God or too many times? God, are you on my side? Saying, no, you come get on my side. And then to see what happens. The second picture I had was of Someone standing next to a waterfall, about two steps over from a waterfall. One time in my life have I been close to a waterfall, Kyle, we all went out to a a waterfall. When you're about two steps away, you feel the mist, but you're not getting drenched. And I had the impression that for so many of us and so much of us as the body of Christ, we're just two steps away from getting drenched. You know, we're like, we're like, oh, and, and let's not be, let's not settle for the mist yeah. when we can have the drench. Yeah. Oh, we had some mist today. No, no. If we take a couple of steps, if we just line up and then, because the water, last time I checked, the river of God continues flowing. Waterfalls don't stop and start. It's have we aligned ourselves with the waterfall. And so those two pictures were in my mind. I was like, alignment, alignment. So throughout the holidays, I was studying on it, thinking, is this a word for us? Not sure. It sounds good. I've got some Bible to back it up. Then I told Suzanne, I said, I think I'm hearing this word alignment. And, um, and so this was during Christmas. Then on January 1st, I believe it was, New Year's Day, Suzanne was off for, from school, so she tends to take a lot of time up here. And uh, she was rooting around in our office. And uh, she comes out while I'm studying on alignment, I think. I had my little table out. She comes out holding a book in her hand, kind of eyes pretty big, and said, Do you know you have this book? I was like, What book? And this was the book that she handed to me. Uh, it's the book called Alignment by not just anybody, this is Asher Intrader is actually a leader, apostolic leader in Israel for a ministry called Revive Israel, and he, we've been supporting him for years, decades actually, and so this book, came, the moment she handed it to him, I was like, whoa, and I remembered a few months back, or a number of months back, I was getting the mail, and this came in the mail as a gift as a thank you for us supporting their ministry. But I don't know what was, what was happening with that or whatever. I just put it away and didn't think anything more about it. In fact, I didn't, didn't even remember I had it. 
until she brought it to me. So I'd forgotten all about the book, but I was like, whoa, that's just what I'm thinking about. That's what I'm studying on. And, um, and so I looked at that, and I began to think, Lord, what, what is this? This really does seem like it's a word for us. And i um, kind of embarrassed to say this, but um, that was just on a, under a pile of papers in my office. And, uh, um, you know, and I got embarrassed to say this, but after January 1st, after Suzanne brought me the book, I lost the book. So, <laughs> so if anybody has it, but, um, but so I still haven't opened the book to see what he was talking about. But I kind of thought, well, maybe this is kind of what, what, what God's been putting in my heart. And so I YouTubed Asher Intrader alignment just to see if he'd said something about it. And sure enough, about a 30-minute uh, lesson he preached back about a year and a half ago, um, the fall of 2017, in Jerusalem, in English, because he usually preaches in Hebrew. But it was about this idea of alignment. And so I share this. I want you to see this little two-minute intro to that, to that because um, I think what, I believe that what the book is going to say, pardon the pun, but it lines up with what's in, what I believe is on God's heart for us as a church. So why don't you play the first two minutes, Ashley, if you can. Thank you. Seeds action. So you've got to get your heart and your desire and oh, your will and your thoughts uh, lined up. Minute. Yeah, that's a little later. Yeah. For the past um, couple of years, this word keeps coming back to us. Uh, the Lord is speaking to us about putting his people into alignment, a kingdom alignment, a family alignment, which is getting us ready for the coming of the kingdom of God. And it's... Uh, we're still uh, digging it out. We're digging out the meaning of it. And so we're in process. We don't have it, everything all worked out. But it's a big thing that the Lord is speaking about. a lot. What is alignment? Alignment has the word line in it. Uh, when you think about, um, in Hebrew, we're trying to find the right word for that. Is it yeshur uh, kav? Yeshur kav is to get into a straight line. Uh, and so like when you, and you have your headlights in a car and they're not facing the right way, you want to get them into alignment. And then, um, but also when you go to a chiropractor and you're, it's a little, something's not in right alignment with your backbone and it hurts over here in your toe and you don't know why it hurts in your toe, but it's got to do with your backbone not being in right alignment. And if, when your backbone is not in alignment, you're paralyzed and in pain all over your body. And, uh, and somehow the chiropractor, if he's a good one, can just click it. And you, all of a sudden it's in right alignment and your whole body can move. And so that's another, another way of looking uh, at alignment. There's all kinds of different things like that. You know, you're driving a car also. If your wheels are not aligned, the whole thing will shake and, and your car will fall apart. But you have to get everything in a straight line. And uh, we'll also think about, about a building. We'll get to that into a, into a moment, but uh, okay. Now, um, I, I share that, and I want to show another little clip later on, about five more minutes later, to to really illustrate to us. But I believe this isn't just a word for us as a local church, but it's really something the Lord, I believe, is doing around the globe. 
throughout the body of Christ. It, where, where, where he was talking from, Asher was talking from, was in Jerusalem at the Revive Israel Ministries. And so he, he heard this about a year and a half ago, uh, or was speaking about a year and a half ago, and then we started getting the impression here, and now uh, this is pretty interesting. If you can show this, he talks about the Chinese underground church leaders getting the same word. So Precedes action. So you've got to get your heart and your desire and your will and your thoughts lined up before you can do something. So God is doing this in people's hearts around the world. I didn't tell this to, uh, I don't know if I told this to Ariel or not, but when, uh, when uh, we flew over to uh, China just recently, we had a really historic meeting. It was amazing. With, uh, there was uh, many of the leaders in the underground church in China, from mainland China, who had been ministering with, uh, with Ariel and with David Demian and with other people and had seen us at some conferences and said, we want to invite you over and teach us. This is the first time that ever happened. So we, we came over. They came across the border to Hong Kong and we met. And we get there and they said, we want you to teach us about alignment. God's talking to us about alignment. I looked at them and I thought, wow, how could that be? They taught me. So I speak one word in Chinese. Dweche, which is alignment. And I'm sure I'm not saying that right. But now I also know Xie and Ni Hao. But that's it. Three words. So anyway, but it's amazing to think that people in the underground church in china who who come up we get there and we get off the we come into the room and say we want you to teach us about alignment that has to be god so god is lining us up now what is the what is the purpose of all this he says that's great thank you so much ashley so so it's it's something that i've it's kind of a philosophy i've had in this in this church this local body for for many years and that is we're not an island unto ourselves and so much of what God is doing throughout the body of Christ, we want to get in on. If there are global winds blowing of revival or prayer or worship, we want to step in and in a sense we have a little sail and we're a little sailboat. We want to hoist our sail and catch that wind. And so this is something I believe God is doing throughout the earth. And the reason I point it out is because when it's something God is doing, there is a grace, a power from God's Spirit to help us enter into alignment. See, this is not a message where I browbeat you and say, you better come into alignment. Get right or get left. Turn or burn. (laughs) Fly or fry. You know, no. The emphasis is God's doing this. God's zealous to bring us into kingdom alignment, into family alignment. And if we'll take those two steps under the waterfall, we will cooperate with him, and he will empower us. Let's look at a couple of scriptures, and then we'll ask the Lord to help us enter into alignment. Amos 7, the prophet Amos in uh, chapter 7, Amos um, was around the time of uh, 785 B.C. to 745 B.C. It was a time of relative peace and prosperity in Israel. And so everybody was feeling good. But Amos was warning of impending judgment because the people basically, you can look it back in Amos 2 verse 6, because they didn't have right heart attitudes toward the poor, toward the needy, toward the weak. 
He says, because they sell the righteous for silver and oppress the poor. So he's warning them, but he is also then giving them hope that God hasn't completely forsaken them, but that he's going to drop a plumb line in their midst. So we'll look at what that plumb line is, because that's actually the picture of Asher's book is a plumb line. So let's look at it. Um, Amos 7, verse 7, the Lord Jesus appears to Amos. So we saw the Lord appear to Joshua. Now we see him appearing to Amos. And verse 7, thus he showed me, behold, the Lord Jesus stood on a wall made with a plumb line. Now I'll stop there in your notes. A plumb line is a weight suspended from a string used as a vertical reference line to ensure that a structure is lined up and is not leaning over. So I don't own a plumb line, but... Our, my trusty associate, Nate Cashton, has a, had a plumb line. And so here is a plumb line. And so the Lord Jesus is standing on a wall. Amos looks up. He sees Jesus and uh, standing on a wall that has been built by a plumb line. So the wall's not leaning. And then the Lord himself is actually holding a plumb line in his hand. Behold, the Lord stood on a wall made with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. Go to verse 8. Then, and the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. (laughs) Then the Lord said, I like that. He's simple, right? Glenn, what do you see? I see a plumb line. Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. And so what we see here is a symbol. The Lord is showing us. He's standing on a wall. And the Lord says, I'm showing you a wall and a plumb line. And I'm putting that plumb line in the middle of my people to draw a straight vertical line, to draw a straight line so that my people will not cross my will. You see, this this vertical line, this is the will of God coming in a straight line. In essence, it's that you, and this is my belief on that, what is the essence of this, the plumb line of the Lord? It's the first and great commandment and the second like it, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. See, again, I don't want you to get caught up in in all the do's and don'ts as much as the attitude of love for God and love for people. So he's drawing a straight line so that his people will not cross his will. And God's saying, I want to do something in your life. You know, he stands up, Jesus standing on a wall that was built. You have to have a a plumb line to, to make a wall straight. You know, think if you built a skyscraper. And the base was like one centimeter off. Each story you added would start to go like this, and it would fall over. Like with every brick, and I'm not a a mason guy with bricks, but you have to check to make sure that what is being built is in alignment so that it can stand. And so God's not building a building. He's building you. 
He's building your life. He's building us into something amazing. He's building you into a house of prayer. He's building you into a, a, a spotless, mature, complete bride of Christ that will one day welcome Jesus as the bridegroom king, equally yoked in love. What kind of wedding would it be if the, the bridegroom was really crazy about the bride and the bride was like, eh, okay. <laughs> he's, he's building us, he's teaching us to learn to love so that we have the same quality and intensity of love for the bridegroom as the bridegroom has for us. So he's saying, I'm showing mercy, I'm showing you what the plumb line is of my will so that you'll not cross my will. Paragraph C, I'm asking me this question, I'm asking us this question. What is your plumb line? What's the straight line in your life that you don't want to cross? What is our standard, each of us, of right and wrong? I say this to the River and the Hills community. By what do we measure our lives in our community? Do we measure ourselves? Do we compare ourselves with other churches? With Well, we're, well, we're not at least like them. Are we comparing ourselves with uh, with what is our plumb line, the Word of God? Is it the absolute truth of God's Word? Or is it this cultural truth? Is it talk show truth? Is it secular media? Is it what they define as the plumb line of our life? Is, what, is it what the politicians say is moral or compassionate or what, it, what they say is love? Are we, what's our plumb line? Because there's Hollywood elites have a plumb line of what they think is right and wrong. I'm preaching to me right here. Or even American church culture. What do they say is right or wrong? Is my plumb line my favorite Bible teacher and everything he or she says, yes? Or is it the Word of God? It's the mercy of God to say no. I'm putting a plumb line in your midst. And I'm giving you the grace to align with my plumb line so that your life is built up into that skyscraper. That's what he's calling us to. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to help us. Zechariah 4 verse 6 says, It's not by might or by our own power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's how we come into alignment. Judges 6.34, this is a fascinating picture. Gideon says the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Gideon and he blows this shofar and it says he, as he blows the shofar, the Abizrites, one of the groups of the Israelites, they gather behind him. So the Spirit of the Lord is what causes us to gather and line up. Now, what is it that's exactly, exactly is it that's lining up, and how do we do it? That's Roman numeral two. I keep kicking my water over. Oh, well. <laughs> how do we come into alignment? Yes, I've said the Holy Spirit helps us to come into alignment as we yield to him. I have it in your notes at the bottom there. We, it's, I'm not going to take much time on it, but we, we um, 
We ask forgiveness. We confess any time we've crossed the line. Because I'm trusting even now as we share today that the Holy Spirit's showing us, you know, I've, I've crossed the line there. This is, I thought this was okay. And it, it's not necessarily, it's not going to disqualify you from heaven, but it, but it may hinder you from experiencing all God has for you. So we confess, any, we ask forgiveness for any crossing of the line. We want to come into alignment. We then ask the Lord to help us. And then we commit to following through after we pray. We don't just pray and go away and go back to whatever. We don't want to be like that guy in James who saw it in a mirror and then acted, went away and acted like he hadn't seen anything. So what exactly is, though, the thing that comes into alignment. What is it that comes into alignment? I, I believe that what is, there are a lot of things that come into alignment, but essentially what comes into alignment is our heart. Is our heart. Let's look at Luke 1. A couple more verses. Luke 1, here is, Luke is quoting Malachi 3. He's talking about John the Baptist. And um, he's speaking about John the Baptist, but he's talking about the spirit of John the Baptist, that, that John had the spirit of Elijah. And Malachi 3 kind of joins up with Luke 1, and they basically say this, is, this same spirit is going to be on believers in the end times to prepare the way of the Lord. So it's not just on Elijah, it's not just on John the Baptist, the spirit that was upon them is coming upon us. What does that spirit do? At least we're, we're believing. I'm believing that we're at the beginning of the, the generation of the Lord's return. This is just my opinion, but I'm, I'm always going to be honest with you. I believe that the two-year-olds that are alive today, that are across the hall, I believe the two-year-olds will most likely be alive on the earth when the Lord returns. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to predict a date or whatever. It's just, it's just what I believe. And people can say, oh, well, everybody's been believing that for centuries. I'm like, okay. But I believe it as I see the signs of the times. And so this spirit's coming, it's coming to the forefront on, on, in our generation. So let's read it. He will also go before him. The Lord will go before, that John the Baptist will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Malachi says, and also to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. And to turn the hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So what is the alignment? Notice. It's to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Something in your heart is turning. Is it kingdom alignment where we turn from disobedience to kingdom righteousness? There is a family alignment where, where spouses turn their hearts to one another with kindness and tenderness and mercy and give each other a break. I'm just going to camp there for a minute and get a smile from my wife. 
Kingdom alignment, family alignment, hearts turning by the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit on Elijah. It's the Spirit on John the Baptist. It's the Spirit on us that if we walk into it and cooperate with Him, hearts will turn. I want my heart to turn and stay turned because I get wobbly, I get out of alignment, and when I feel my car drifting off the road, I say, oh Lord, line me back up. I guess that my car runs over tire and runs over rocks and gets out of alignment. Lord, line me back up. Amen. Kingdom alignment, family alignment. God, you say, what is our heart? What is it that turns when I say my heart turns? It's my focus, it's my thoughts, it's my desires. They turn away from godless to godly. They turn away from darkness to light. And it's the Lord that helps us to do that. When our hearts turn, then our actions follow. But heart turning of the heart precedes the action. Biblical Power comes from biblical pattern. If you want to, we talk a lot, Lord, show us your power. We want the power. Well, biblical pattern following the ways of the Lord is what precedes biblical power. And so when we line our hearts up, not only will our actions follow suit, but God starts to move in ways he did not before. I love this verse. Look at this verse. It's in your notes. It's, um, it's Isaiah. Oh, where is that? I've lost where it is. There it is. Okay, yeah, it's in. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who line up with you, of those who wait for him. Amen. In closing, I want to let's go ahead and ask our worship team if you could come up. I want to go back to this picture I had in the beginning of a waterfall. Um, let me say one thing too as they're coming up here. When I talk about, I've said it a number of times, but but when we deviate and you say, well. I don't think I can keep lying, staying lined up. Well, you know, w- will we always stay lined up? Absolutely not. But when we wander, when we drift, we get ourselves up again, we rise up, we shake the dust, dust off, and we say, I'm coming back. Remember, how many of you know? remember the song, I'm coming back to the heart of worship? That's an alignment song. Well, I only need to sing that once a year. No, I might need to sing that. 20 times a day. Come on. At least that's where I am. Uh, that picture of the waterfall, the word I had when I saw it, and if you can put, that, put up the picture of the, the two little children. There they are. A few minor adjustments on our part will lead to major adjustments on God's part. A few steps. Now, I don't know if they're getting some mist on them or not. I couldn't really find a whole lot of pictures. But, but we, we move from 
there to being out away from it and not being satisfied. They're worshiping, all right, I think. So as they're worshiping, now, now let's take to the next slide. And this guy's really worshiping. He's praying. He's getting drenched. Thank you, Lord. I want to share something from a book where the cover's ripped off. Me and books, I, I don't know, we have problems. But this is Power Healing by John Wimber. It's out of print, I think. But I want to read you a little story. I was awakened by the phone ringing. One of our newest members was on the line. He's a pastor in California. He, he's gone to be with the Lord. The member said, I just got a brand new job and I've got to go to work today. My wife is sick with a fever. I can't stay home and take care of the kids and we can't find a babysitter. Can you come pray for her? I'll be right there, John said. I hung up the phone and stared at the ceiling. God, I said, look what you've got me into this time. This guy really believes this stuff. He's going to lose his job or I'm going to have to take care of his kids today. When I arrived at the house, the husband led me into their bedroom. His wife looked terrible. Her face was red and swollen with fever. Oh no, I groaned inwardly. This looks like a hard one. I walked over and laid hands on her, mumbled a faithless prayer, and then I turned around and began explaining to her husband why some people do not get healed a talk that I had perfected during the previous 10 months. I was well into my explanation when his eye caught something behind me. Then he started grinning. I turned around to see his wife out of bed, looking like a new person. What's happened to you, I asked. I'm well, she said. You healed me. Would you like to stay for some coffee or breakfast? I could not believe it. She was well. I politely declined her offer of hospitality and left. Halfway back to my car, I fully realized what had happened. All the months of questioning and despair, excitement and disappointment, revelation and humiliation, the full force of these emotions and hopes washed over me. Then I became euphoric and giddy, and I yelled at the top of my lungs, we got one. My despair from the previous night was instantly transformed into joy and exaltation. The period of gestation was over. The healing ministry was born in me at the moment I least suspected it would be. I drove off knowing that I was embarking on a new journey of faith, not fully prepared for what was around the next bend in the road. It really works, I thought as I wended my way down toward home. And God used me as a vehicle of his healing mercy. Then I was jolted out of my jubilant mood by an incredible vision. Suddenly, in my mind's eye, there appeared to be a cloud bank superimposed across the sky, but I had never seen a cloud bank, cloud bank like this one. So I pulled my car over to the side of the road to take a closer look. Then I realized it was not a cloud bank. It was a honeycomb with honey dripping out onto people below. That's all I could find of that, but that's close to maybe. If you just keep that up. Then I realized it was honeycomb, a honeycomb with honey dripping out on the people below, onto people below. The people were in a variety of postures. 
Some were reverent. They were weeping and holding their hands out to catch the honey and taste it. Even inviting others to come take some of their honey. Others acted irritated, wiping the honey off themselves, complaining about the mess. I was awestruck, not knowing what to think. I prayed, Lord, what is it? The Lord said, it's my mercy, John. For some people, it's a blessing, but for others, it's a hindrance. There's plenty of my mercy for everyone. Don't ever beg me for healing again. Don't ever beg me for healing again. Don't ever beg me for healing again. The problem isn't on my end, John. It's down there. For readers who have never had a vision of su uh, or supernaturally heard God in this fashion, I did not physically hear God speak. I experienced more of an impression, a spiritual sense of God speaking to me. Time proved that what I thought I heard was true. I'll end with this part. What God showed me through the scriptures in Mark 9, he references that. My first healing and the honeycomb vision was that he is much greater than I ever imagined him to be. And with only the smallest act of faith, I could experience his compassion and mercy. I also realized that God's mercy is constantly falling on us because everything that he does is related to what he is. The father of compassion, the father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Titus 3.5 says the Lord saved us because of his mercy. I'm believing for the grace of God today for a certain sound today to cause us to Take those steps over and get under the waterfall. Let's stand up if you would. If there's an area in your life where you need the, the honey of heaven to fall, maybe it's healing, maybe it's provision, maybe it's restoration of a relationship, maybe it's restoration of joy, Maybe it's deliverance. His mercy is falling today. And so I want to invite you to, to take a step of faith and, and come forward to this altar as an act of faith saying, I'm, I want to take some steps to line up. I want to line up under the waterfall your mercy and we'll just let the worship team sing over us and we just receive the honey from heaven so just come forward right now if there's an area it can be it. so many areas of need but I want to encourage you that every need of the human heart was met by the blood of Jesus on the cross being shed when he said it is finished, 
He's basically saying the work I did at Calvary was a perfect work, perfect in every respect, perfect in every aspect, complete to meet every need that you're standing up here for today. Thank you for your mercy. Just do business with God now.